And yes, we are back again. I'm Jimbo. I'm the Mixter. And welcome to Songs You Should Know, episode 12. 12. Featuring the... the yes, 12. <laughs> and even dozen. Featuring the legacy of Glenn Campbell, who passed away, unfortunately, this year. Um, we're coming to you from the Songs You Should Know World Headquarters, located in a secret bunker in central Minnesota, and from our satellite office in Branson, Missouri. We can't tell you exactly where the world headquarters is located in central Minnesota for security reasons, namely for the protection of our priceless vault of classic music, which is undergoing expansion right now. Yes. So I have told the workers to keep it down during recording here, but uh, there's jackhammers going on. We've, we've, we've got uh, expansion going on in the vault, but uh, we can tell you that you can see Lake Wobegon from here. So we're going to do some Glenn Campbell for you. The legacy. You can even hear, you can even hear the groove sounds on this. Yeah. Galveston, oh Galveston, I still hear your sea winds blowing. I still see her dark eyes glowing. She was 21 when I left Galveston. I am a lineman for the county, and I drive the main road, searching in the sun for a Did you notice that a couple of those actually had the sounds of the grooves on the record? I actually pulled yes. those from the vault and put the vinyl on for you. See, people, that's so the kind maybe... of detail <laughs> that we give you that you cannot get from YouTube. Nothing against YouTube. We love YouTube and we yeah. offer them as a sponsor. <laughs> Always taking sponsorships. You can go to songsyoushouldknow.com. You can go to Jimbo. You can email Jimbo at songsyoushouldknow.com or Mixter, M-I-C-K-S-T-E-R, at songsyoushouldknow.com. Well, I, and hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and M-I-X-T. I'll, I'll, I'll update it so it's M-I-X. Yes. Yeah. M-I-X. M-O-U-S-E. What? <laughs> So, unfortunately, we lost Glenn um, August 8th, 2017, to complications from Alzheimer's. He was 81. He made it to 81. But um, still, it, you know, I'm not sure that a lot of young people today realize how cool this guy was and what he had done in his career. Yeah, he, but, uh, he was pretty important, but he was... He was just pretty good. <laughs> he was and um, he was always happy. I mean, he, he projected a very positive image through some. I mean, he could yeah, sing a good. Vietnam War. He could sing a Vietnam War protest song and make you happy to hear it, which we'll talk about in a yeah, second. And, here you too, know, but, um, right. And I never realized that. That's what that song was about because it was so dang happy. I, I'm serious. I thought you know, Galveston, you go, you, I, you know, I'm like, you wow. go back, you go back, and you look at the words and you, uh, you know, the lyrics, and you go, 
Well, Jimmy Webb knew what it was about, but yeah. did Glenn Campbell? Well, he obviously did, but he put his own little take on it. So, um, you know, he was in the music business for 50 years, 70 studio albums, more than 70. I don't even know how you start to count once people put together compilations of stuff. But yeah. um, Over half of his life. He yep. was 40, 45 million records he sold worldwide. <laughs> 12 gold albums, four platinum albums, one double platinum album. We're talking, we're in Elvis territory here. Okay? <laughs> you know. We're going to watch this kid. He, he could have a future. You know? <laughs> and uh, what did he start out doing, Nick? He started out as a session musician in 1960 when he moved to L.A. Uh, and I believe he had moved from... Well, I'm going to get this wrong. It was from like New Mexico or something. He had a cousin or something. but um, And he eventually became part of, for our music buffs, uh, it is known as the Wrecking Crew. And uh, occasionally uh, credited as the Phil Spector Wall of Sound Orchestra. And so what the Wrecking Crew was, they were a loose-knit uh, circle of uh, Los Angeles' top studio session musicians whose services were constantly in demand during their heyday in the 1960s and in the early uh, 70s, usually playing collectively in uh, varying configurations, often anonymously. They backed dozens of popular acts on numerous top-selling hits of the era. They are now widely considered one of the most successful session recording units in music history. They were called the Wrecking Crew until after the fact when uh, Hal Blaine, drummer, one of several that they used, coined the phrase in his 1990 memoir. Yeah, so during their time, they weren't actually known as the Wrecking Crew. Right. We the session people. (laughs) Exactly, yes. We know them as the Wrecking Crew. And Hal Blaine wrote an autobiography, and he actually said we were like a Wrecking Crew. And it was a shifting band of, you know, uh, personnel. But um, they have since become known as the Wrecking Crew. And if you ever get a chance, it was on Netflix for a while. And I'm not sure if it still is or not. But there, there is a um, documentary about the Wrecking Crew that's well worth your time just to, to, to go through all that stuff. But, um, man, you know, as part of a you know, a group of backing musicians. He played on recordings by Bobby Darin, Ricky Nelson, Dean Martin, Nat King Cole, The Monkees, Nancy Sinatra, Merle Haggard, Jan and Dean, Frank Sinatra, Ronnie Dubbs, Phil Spector, and Elvis Presley. And the Beach Boys. <clears throat> yeah, well, we're going to get to some Beach Boys stuff here in a little bit, but um, he uh, he helped... Presley recorded the soundtrack for Viva Las Vegas in 1964 when when Elvis went into his movie phase. And uh, But he did say that, you know, Elvis and I were brought up in the same humble way, picking cotton, looking at the north end of a southbound mule. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But a boom. But as you said, from, you know, he was a big part of the Beach Boys scene too. So from... December 64 to March of 65. So there was a period in there where he was a touring member of the Beach Boys and he filled in for Brian Wilson, who we have to have an entire separate show on. <laughs> yeah. He has, and some Brian, Brian has some issues. <laughs> and Brian's Brian's still around and Brian has come back and completed some things that are just amazing. Yeah. Um, but he filled in for Brian Wilson. He played bass guitar. And he sang um, falsetto harmonies, and I'm gonna, you're gonna get a bump of this in a little bit here. But um, and he also played on the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds in 1966. So yes, Glenn Campbell was a big part of the early Beach Boys sound. All right, have you ever heard of Sagittarius? No, the group. <laughs> I have not. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, but um, boom. So in 1967, Campbell was an uncredited, uncredited lead vocal on "My World Fell Down" by Sagittarius. This song got to number 70 on the Billboard Hot 100. I've heard so it this. was no slouch. Yeah, I've heard the song. I, I do believe. Now, I want you to listen to this 
and tell me if no a can you tell it's glenn campbell and b why isn't it the beach boys Just like a breath of spring You came my way I heard a bluebird sing But not today Sound much like the Beach Boys? Wow. Isn't that a, something? I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have known that <laughs> that was Glenn Campbell. And I, and I have to retract my my last statement. I had not heard that song or wasn't what I was thinking of. No. It's like I listened to that and I, I'm like, oh, my goodness. So maybe as, as paranoid as Brian Wilson was, I can see why he was convinced his recordings were being leaked. He listened to that. Yes, he, you know, so um so the, the you know the big album that Brian Wilson was trying to work on was going to be called Smile, which recently, I mean, well, recently being in the last decade or so, Brian Wilson actually finished and re-recorded an entire version of that. And it's really good. But at the time, Brian Wilson was kind of paranoid and he heard that and he's like Somebody's listening to my stuff. And uh, the fact that they could totally, and I, I think it's, you know, totally due to Glenn Campbell, that they could mimic that sound or bring in, in that vibe, it freaked Brian Wilson out. And um, you can see smile, why. <laughs> well, Smile ended up becoming Smiley Smile, which is a very pared down, you know, grouping of tracks rather than a big grand vision. Um, if you know anything about Beach Boys history, and we obviously have to go into Beach Boys songs, you know, in another episode. But um, so that's 1967. Brian, Glenn is doing that stuff. Oh, by the way, he's recording things like Gentle on My Mind and By the Time I Get to Phoenix. Yeah, on his own. When the, on, on his, you know, yeah, as, 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 right. as a solo artist. Yeah, and and so... He goes into the Grammys and he wins two awards in the country category for Gentle on My Mind. He wins two awards in the pop category for By the Time I Get to Phoenix. Now, why those two would be in different categories, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to throw this in there. It's the, it's the same reason, and I'm wrong on my dates, but let's say it's 1991. It's the same reason that uh, I believe... Well, I might get this wrong, but I, I believe that Metallica and Jethro Tull were both up for most oh. <laughs> heavy metal. Right? This is a true. This is an actual. I know. I know. And Jethro Tull gets the award. Like, yeah, <laughs> they beat out Metallica for best heavy metal band. <laughs> and it's no, it's no diss against Jethro Tull, but <laughs> no, no. And that's what Metallica when, said. Nothing against y'all. <laughs> But but when were they ever a heavy metal band? You know, I mean, heavy metal flute, maybe I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, uh, that's what happens when you have the suits. <laughs> <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? Oh, there was an entire generation of people that were just spoiled at the Grammys by. Well, that was we don't that, we don't really know what we're talking about. Nope, but. that was the good old boy network <laughs> at its finest hour. Oh wow. my gosh. Yeah. So Glenn Campbell becomes anyway. huge. He becomes huge, and he hosted a music and comedy variety show called the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour, which basically describes Glenn Campbell's personality. <laughs> yep. And just um, a little bit of, of uh, history or trivia with that, uh, I currently work with uh, the Blackwoods, who are 
a very they they've been around for 80 years the Blackwood's name in, in gospel and they made more than one appearance on the Glen Campbell Good Time Hour. Isn't that something? I should have pulled up something for them. Yeah, you know, I actually think during during uh if you do come to Branson and see the Blackwoods, <laughs> uh we we do have some footage of, of that in, in the show. So. Sponsorship. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, from January of 1969 through June of 1972. So, you know, three and a half years, he hosts a uh, a television show. And, boy, I have to remember right. I think he was put on as a replacement for the Smothers Brothers. Wow. Who were, you may know, controversial. Yeah, because their show... <laughs> Uh, of course, I mean, let's look. <laughs> we were we we're at a time where you know they, they were known for getting very political on their show, and eventually they were shut down. Yeah, they took and them so, off. <laughs> and so instead of instead of putting on you know this uh, deep dark uh, political stuff, let's put on Glenn Campbell. He's a nice young man. So yeah, look at he's always happy, right? Right, and uh, that's going to lead us into talking about. The first song. <laughs> he was always happy. <laughs> Galveston, oh Galveston, I still hear your sea winds blowing. I still see her dark eyes glowing. She was 21 when I left Galveston. Galveston, oh Galveston. So she was 21 when I left Galveston. Where did he go? Well, we now know he went to Vietnam. He did. So, yeah, so, you know, I don't think a lot of us realize that. And it's funny because the... You know, the song for us conjures up images of, you know, Galveston and Texas, which which it's about. But this is a Vietnam soldier getting ready to go into battle, thinking about Galveston. Yep. And uh, I think a lot of people glossed over that or didn't realize it at the time. I never did. I'll be honest, you know, I would look. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it was not only a song, it was the title of his 1969 album. So he has an album called Galveston, and it reached number one on the Billboard Country Albums chart. Here we go. And who wrote the song? Yep, let me take this one, because I'm a huge fan, being in the market that I'm in now. Uh, the song was written by, for all you musical buffs, the great Jimmy Webb, who, for a while, everything he... Everything Jimmy wrote turned to gold, man. And Jimmy Webb, he is loved by, I'm sure he was loved by Glenn. I, I, I have a chance to work with Billy Dean. Loves Jimmy Webb. And uh, he also wrote By the Time I Get to Phoenix, Jimmy Webb did, and Wichita Lineman uh, were among the other songs uh, covered by Glenn and other recording artists. And like I said, there was a period of time where whatever Jimmy, <laughs> whatever Jimmy did, <laughs> gold, baby. So... He is, he's quite a class act. Uh, it was recorded uh, with instrumental backing members, like we talked about, of the Wrecking Crew. And it was released in 1969. And so the musicians, most of the uh, Wrecking Crew, uh, Glenn Campbell was on vocals, acoustic and electric guitars. And we'll touch on this later too, but, y y you know, people hear Glenn Campbell and, and his, in his, uh, his influences. He was a great guitar player just so there's no <laughs> oh he uh, was he was he was clean and fast and, oh my goodness he was there's many people that try and emulate him and 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 um go I'll, I'll get this wrong too but even as uh, in later in glenn's career he took guitar lessons i mean here's a guy that <laughs> a lot of people wanted to take guitar lessons from him and he was mm -hmm. still you know but anyway uh hal blaine uh, was on drums. Al Casey was on the acoustic guitar. Bob Feltz was on drums as well. <laughs> Two drummers. <laughs> Who would have Two drummers on, on that album, yeah. Yeah, on the album, correct. Uh, Dennis McCarthy's on piano and Joe Osborne is on bass guitar. 
Right. And Hal Blaine is the one who ended up writing the autobiography that coined the term the Wrecking Crew. Yep. So, and yes, it became number one on the country music charts and CMT, Country Music Television, um, in 2003 ranked at number eight on their greatest songs in country music. And it's not even Glenn Campbell's best song. Um, and, you know, best is always a relative term. But right. uh, but it also reached number four on Billboard for the Hot 100, which is a pop chart. And then number one for the easy, easy listening chart. But uh, um, it's a very subversive song. Because it's perceived as being a Vietnam War protest song, even though... Campbell performs it in an up-tempo way. So you're like, I'm not really sure. Where am I supposed to go here? And I think that's part of the charm of the song. So I agree. the central character is a soldier. And Jimmy Webb, the, the guy that wrote the song, who knows, he described it as an anti-war song. And even though Campbell sort of played that down or, you know, knocked that down a little bit, and according to Jimmy Webb, the song is about a guy who's caught up in something he doesn't understand and would rather be somewhere else, which I think pretty much describes. That, that sums being, up the Vietnam War. Or being, war. A, being, a, being a grunt, well, being in, a grunt in any war. Correct. And all, yeah, all, that, all, that all in all, I'd, I'd rather be someplace else, you know. So a soldier's waiting to go into battle he thinks the woman he loves uh, he th he's thinking of the woman he loves in his hometown of Galveston Texas now the song was originally sung i'm i'm not kidding no, by, no, don, no. by don ho i'm going to have to talk to jimmy about that <laughs> <laughs> nothing against don ho <laughs> and that he introduced the song to glenn campbell when he appeared as a guest <laughs> On the Good Time Hour. So here I am on the Good Time Hour. I'm Don Ho. I'm known for tiny bubbles and stuff yeah. like that. And hand and motion. Like, yes. And I'm like, and here's this cool anti-war song. You should listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the second verse originally says, wonder if she could forget me. I'd go home if they would let me put down this gun and go to Galveston. Now, Campbell changed that to say, I still hear your sea waves crashing while I watch the cannons flashing. I clean my gun and dream of Galveston. So rather than putting down his gun, he's cleaning his gun. But he's still thinking of Galveston and his girl back home. So like we said, it's, it's, um, it's a Don Ho song. You want to hear Don Ho sing it? I do. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I'm glad well, it exists. <laughs> I do. I, well, here's how I feel. Here's how I feel about it. Don Ho had a smooth voice. I, I, oh I, yes, I, well, he he was known for that. Yeah, yeah that was, we for, we kind of forget that because we we remember things you know from people when they're they're older and further along in their careers, but they weren't always yeah, that. We way. make fun of Don Ho, we being me. <laughs> and I I find it interesting that it's. It's the sort of semi-official anthem of Galveston Island and the city of Galveston, Texas. But it's it really was an anti-war song, you know. It was yeah. it was like, but it brought it to the personal level. It's like I would just as soon go home, right? I'm you know, in here. in reading the word change that uh, in Campbell's version, I mean, because it, in the um, I still hear your sea waves crashing. That that sticks in my mind, and you think of Galveston. I mean, mm -hmm. so you know. Yeah, no, I mean that was a very significant uh, line change, and I think it's yeah, it's that part was... of the 
It's one of the lines that you think of when you hear the song, but um, or when you think of the song, but uh, yeah, because you kind of skip over the I, I skipped over the cannons flashing and I cleaned my gun because I hear the waves crashing and I have a dream of Galveston, so I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. there you go. All right, we're gonna take a short break, but we'll be and back. We'll, we'll be right back. Galveston, oh Galveston, I still hear your sea winds blowing. I still see her dark eyes glowing. She was twenty-one when I left Galveston. County, and I drive the main road, searching in the sun for another overload. I hear you singing in the wire. I had to get the I hear you singing in the wires in there because I just think that's a Beautiful line. Once again, it's a Jimmy Webb song, of course. But Jimmy uh, Webb. 1968. I have to ask you sometime to go back and listen to this song with headphones. Because mm-hmm. I'm wondering, does Glenn double track his voice in there? Because it's either a sh- very short slapback or he is actually singing along with himself. I mean, the same notes, but he's really tightly recorded together. But when you hear it through headphones, it's like, whoa. Yeah, I know. Live, I I put a short slap back on it to yeah, emulate it's that. Just, it's just, it's just but double. It's hard to say if it's double tracked, or I'll have to go back and listen. And I I listen to that song often, just not with headphones. So. Right. So yeah, it's uh, 1968, and the album was called <laughs> Wichita Lineman, just like the other. <laughs> the last song was called Galveston, but. Uh, <laughs> I that song it, it is very difficult to listen to that song and not just hear ache and mm-hmm. feel ache in your heart and yeah. uh, it's just a remarkable well Jimmy Webb was yeah obviously in his prime right there but, yeah um, I mean because you listen to that song and I'm sure everybody has their own visions but to this day when I listen to it I mean I I I just see nothing but grain fields you know or fields. Mm-hmm. With a telephone pole, and dudes yep. out there on, on a gravel road, <laughs> up there, and that's what I see. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and to Good think job, that, that, and to think that that's a real guy with a real life going on, and you know, yeah. So, tell me about the musicians, because once again, somebody <laughs> shows up. Yes, yeah, somebody shows up, and it's like. <laughs> She was either late to the party and she didn't get her she didn't get her normal <laughs> instrument. <laughs> so the musicians uh credited on, on this are, are Campbell, uh Glenn, Glenn Campbell, Al Casey and James Burton, which guitar and leader of uh, Elvis's TCB band. And there she is. Oh, Carol Kay, guitar. What? Not bass. Yep, she was she was on guitar, she's credited on yeah. guitar. There's always a hidden Carol Kay. Basically, in every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? From now on, there's going to be uh, uh, Don Bagley on bass, Jim Gordon on drums, and Al Delory on piano. And the orchestral uh, ar- ar- arrangements were uh, created or developed by Delory as well. Yeah, it's always the piano player that puts everything together. So. It is. They just take over those guys. <laughs> So this reached uh, number three on the pop chart and number one on the country chart. And this was a period where it it didn't matter what he released. It basically charted on both sides of the aisle. And when the Grammys came along, they were like, yeah, we'll just divvy this one over here and this one over here. So 
Yeah. In, two, in 2010, uh, 2010, Rolling Stone listed, you know, their 500 greatest songs of all time for the first time. And uh, they ranked Wichita Lineman at number 195. It has been referred to as the first existential country song. Yes. <laughs> Somebody pondering their existence. Existential. And uh, British music journalist Stuart... Uh, McConey called it the greatest pop song ever composed. The BBC referred to it as one of those rare songs that seems somehow to exist in a world of its own. It's not just timeless, but ultimately outside of modern music. And I think that's both due to Jimmy Webb and Glenn Campbell interpreting it. They were a perfect match. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was the perfect teaming all right so you you go into the inspiration for the song the the lyrical meaning so jimmy's web (laughs) jimmy's jimmy webb's inspiration for lyric came while driving through uh washita county in rural southwestern oklahoma and and at that time many telephone companies were county-owned utilities and their linemen were county employees so heading westward on a straight road Arguably, uh, County Road 152, into the setting sun, Webb drove past a seemingly endless line of telephone poles, each looking exactly the same as the last. Then in the distance, he noticed a silhouette of a solitary man, of a solitary lineman, atop a pole. He described it as the the picture of loneliness. Webb then put himself atop that pole and put the phone in his hand, as he considered what the lineman was saying into the receiver. Glenn Campbell added in a statement to the Dallas Observer that Webb wrote that song about his first love affair with a woman who married someone else. Mm. And that's, and, and man, you listen to that song. And like I said, I, I have to mention that, I mean, the whole song is great. And Jimmy Webb, I mean, you feel like you're that lineman up there. And, but uh, to me, a great uh, line in this song is, I want you more than need you, and I need you for all time. It doesn't get any better than that. And uh, as my buddy Billy Dean says during his show, fellas, if you ever get in trouble, pull that line out. <laughs> It'll get you out of the doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> No matter how deep a trouble you're in, you you say that, you're probably going to get out of the doghouse. It's hard to get away from that. It's hard to beat that. So the song got covered, like, right away, as soon as Glenn put it out. It was, you know, it was a time period where there were still regional markets and still subdivisions of markets that we don't have today. But um, So a lot of -of middle-of-the-road artists covered it. You know, so there's a Tom Jones version. There's a Johnny Mathis version. I was listening, I was looking through YouTube and and shortly, well, not very long ago, um, Guns N' Roses in Edmonton, Canada, doing a concert, pulled out a tribute to Glenn Campbell. And I couldn't pull a copy to put it in the vaults because it's all fan footage off their cell phones. And so there's just so much noise going on, but you can hear the song in the background and you can hear it from different angles. And, um, on one of the angles, you hear somebody going, what is this? I don't know what this is. I don't know this. I don't know this song. I don't know what this is. And Axel's like, we're going to try to play something we've never played before. And it's a tribute. And, uh, so yeah, they pull out Wichita linemen. So Guns N' Roses, there's Slash, there's Duff, Axel, and the band does Wichita linemen. It's like, wow. Yeah. That that <laughs> that's the kind of influence Glenn Campbell had. You know, I put our cleanup crew here in, at the vault. I I put them on the recordings and I said, "Can you clean up enough for me to get a, you know, just a piece of this?" And they're like, it's all drunk people with cell phones and then everybody and it really ticked me off because everybody around them is talking like, Oh, this is the time to go take a pee break. Right. And it's like guns and roses is doing Glenn Campbell. Do you realize what is happening right now? 
<laughs> but Just I do listen, have, people. I do have a different um, tribute or you know reference for you. This is from 1994, so this this is not um, this is not something that's a result of Glenn's death or anything. This no, was an earlier it was still, version. It was still alive. <laughs> so I want you to know if I want to know if you uh, know who this is. Okay. Okay. Ready. Ninety-four. Well, I'm gonna pull one out of left field and just go with REM. It is REM. That's what? Michael Stipe. Well, you I was, got it. Wow, Booba, you and got that it. With no cheat. That was with no cheating, people. I didn't want that. I'm like, okay, ninety-four. Sounds like Michael Stipe. And it, you know, in retrospect, it perfectly fits his voice. And yeah, and, uh, I mean, because I had a hard time because it, it went. Is that Glenn? Because <laughs> it sure sounds like. Yeah. No, yeah, no, was... you're you're apt, you got it. That's REM, and very totally nailed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. I mean, that was even the band nailed it. You know, what I mean, that was. That's... Yeah, no. Um, so the phrase "singing in the wire," I hear you singing in the wire, and um, it can refer to the sonic vibration. Well, commonly induced by wind blowing across small wires and conductors. Have you ever heard even the the tension um, cables that hold up poles when the wind really blows out there, you can hear um, they re- they resonate. It's like a big guitar there string, you go. a yeah. big fat guitar string. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, what gauge is that? <laughs> so the, the <laughs> so, it, so those lines resonate. They're like a harp, man. You know the wind's blowing, and and then. Um, it also refers to the sounds that, you know, a lineman might hear when attaching a telephone earpiece to a long stretch of raw telephone yeah. or telegraph line. Yep. So yeah, there's no equalization. Up his, there's no the filtering. Clips, just, people are talking. <laughs> yep. So um, it's interesting how the uh, the orchestration, the 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 violins and the keyboards yeah. sort of mimic mimic that sound. Yeah. Um, and the whole kind of Morse code thing going through. But anyway, just the, um, and, uh, the lyric, I can hear you through the wine and it's wine with a W H I N E, the wine of the wires. I can, and that's what I can hear you through that. That's Jimmy, man. Go get him, Jimmy. And here's another, uh, here's another little shameless plug. (laughs) If y'all do come to Branson, uh, rating the country vault, uh, does this song and and they did this song before his passing it it is in the show and i can tell you uh the violin player and the keyboard player uh keyboard players spent many many hours to get that synchronization between the two because we don't use a full orchestra but i mean that they were that uh attentioned to detail on, on on that song and it is i mean because that makes the song everybody knows that staccato violin with the keyboard you know answering uh, sure in the and it's yeah that was that's all i got awesome that's good <laughs> no that was good though i love that all right we're gonna come back with one more glenn campbell song one more County, and I drive the main road, searching in the sun for another overload. I 
Wichita lineman is still on the That's another one I put on vinyl for you. So I could hear it. May not, it may not it may not sound as clean as uh you know some of the digital recordings, but uh when you when you see it in the vault sitting there in vinyl all lonely, it says play me. Take me out and play me. Take me out of here. Play Misty for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're running long, so we're not going to do a whole lot on this. But this was um, almost an immediate hit for Glenn Campbell, you know. And this is 1975. Right. And the songwriter, you know, I thought it was at first, but I didn't find that. But um, it came out, Glenn released it in 75. It was written by Larry Weiss who actually had a version of it out himself. And I didn't pull that out of the vault. I listened to it, but I didn't put it on the show. But um, It didn't fare so well. <laughs> well, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't do well, you know, on the charts. Right. But I mean, being Glenn Campbell, Glenn Campbell did it. And uh, it sort of caught on more with him. I did not find a lot on who actually recorded on this either. Yeah, so that that was past the wrecking crew days for him. Or, but this this then. thing this thing was a, a juggernaut. It hit number one on both the country and the pop Hot 100. Um, everybody seemed to love it, which would seem you know it seems to uh, define Glenn Campbell's career. <laughs> if I would read my notes, <laughs> it says it served as the basis for the film Rhinestone. Well, in 1984, so I guess never mind. So it was, yeah, later on. Did you ever see that movie, Rhinestone? That was uh, Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't either. And I should. I should go back and pull up, you know, clips from that on YouTube or something. But because yeah. uh, <laughs> I remember seeing it, but it's like you know, and I I know it's you know supposed to be a thing, but yeah, uh, I think I was thinking of elect what electric cowboy, wouldn't that? Uh, oh yeah, that was it. That was like John Boyd. Or no, yeah, yeah. Or didn't wasn't that a Peter Fon- or uh who am I thinking of? Robert Redford film. Oh, that could be. <clears throat> yep, you're right. So yeah, so I think part of what um helped the song become successful was that lyrically it's about there there's a guy that's been an artist for a long time. He's been out there singing, he's paid his dues, he's done everything he can do. He's still surviving, and someday, someday he'll shine, just like a rhinestone cowboy. Welcome to Branson, boys and girls. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the city of Branson may not be one of our sponsors. (laughs) They should be. They should be. We're always open open to sponsorships. Jimbo. 24-7. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Email Jimbo Jim, on this one. Jimbo at song Jimbo at songsyoushouldknow.com. Yes. Or Mixter at songsyoushouldknow.com. But yes. So I, I went through it. I listened to a actually the vault. We have a lot of different copies of this. Soul Asylum sang yes. this song. I you know, and I I've done a couple Soul Asylum shows and I almost pu- I almost I almost pulled their version of it. Because I think, (laughs) yes. And, uh, you know, Charlie, you know, 
early on, a lot of people did it. And then later as a tribute, you know, as, as Glenn was diagnosed with Alzheimer's right. and stuff. But um, yeah. And um, I will, I, uh, let me just throw in, I'll, I'll throw in a, a positive Branson plug <laughs> because like I mentioned, uh, the Blackwoods uh, appeared on uh, Glenn Campbell's show. And so uh, after Glenn's passing, uh, in the show now, we do do a tribute to uh, Glenn, and it is uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. There you go. Now, here I've got one. I want you to tell me who this is. You should recognize it. Working in Branson and everything. But uh, <laughs> this is a female singer. The interesting thing about the song is that she does it in the third person. Ew. Okay. And you'll you'll know what I'm talking about as soon as you start to listen to it, right? In those dirty sidewalks of Broadway Where hustle's the name of the game And nice guys get washed away Like the snow and the rain There's been a lot of compromising On the road to his horizon But he's gonna be where the You know who that is? Wow. Well, <clears throat> I think I have it narrowed down to two, but I'm going to go with my gut feeling. Is it Loretta Lynn? It is Loretta Lynn. See, your gut's good. Yes. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, but well, her accent, you know, her her accent and phrasing is is her. I was born to be a coal yeah, miner. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm like. I know that's phrasing. <laughs> yeah you got it so i i found it interesting i pulled that one out because it's in third person yeah and she, yeah, she's singing about him he's gonna be where the lights are shining on him right so what, i'm like Lor- a- loretta you, you know she's a very strong woman i'm like she you're singing yeah, about she him she could have pulled that out <laughs> you know right uh do you have a year on that oh golly i did not write that down because I'm going to say that that's before I'm sure, 1975, I'm sure right? Because the recording I, sounds like it's like 1965. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, Campbell didn't release it until 1975, I so know it, that, it, it wasn't it released? wasn't it, it wasn't until it was a big deal. Larry Weiss released it like the year before. Okay, um, man, it just so. it just sounds like you know. I guess that's Loretta's sound too. It sounded like it was from the 60s. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, she didn't do it until it was a big deal. And she she totally went with the whole third person thing, but yeah, uh, I really I really think she could have done a good first person version of that. I song. agree. She she could have powered her way through that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to come back in a little bit with some trivia. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And we're back. We're back. And of course, it's time for my favorite part of the show, where I get to just totally spring stuff on Mick. Yes, sir. Because I already know the answers, and he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a game we play. <laughs> it's a it's a typical big brother little brother situation. That's right. <laughs> Dang it! It is. I have the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> And since we've been talking about Glenn Campbell, it is Glenn Campbell trivia. So, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! So number one, in his hit, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, what other two place names are mentioned? And I'm going to give you some pairs here, and you tell me which one. Okay. Okay? Albuquerque and Oklahoma. Nashville and Memphis. Texas and Tennessee, or New Orleans and Los Angeles? Albuquerque and Oklahoma. You are correct. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and this one you should know if you remember anything about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. Ooh, the horror. <laughs> Which of Glenn's hits served as a theme song for his popular TV show? Rhinestone Cowboy, Southern Nights, which we never talked about. We should have talked about that song. Try a Little Kindness or Gentle on My Mind. So his TV show, which was the the theme Uh, song? Rhinestone. No. His TV show came, his TV show ended three years before that song came out. Well, that'd be no then. <laughs> it would be it would be gentle on my mind. So wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mick has problem paying attention. Uh, I'm going to give you an easy one here, just to give you your confidence back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In the song "Rhinestone Cowboy," Glenn says that he knows every crack. On these dirty sidewalks of Broadway. Yes. See? Now you feel better? I feel better. <laughs> keep sen- <laughs> keep sending them up. Okay, so one of his later hits was a remake of It's Just a Matter of Time. What R&B great had, an, had the original hit in 1959? And so your choices are Marvin Gaye. Arthur Prysock, Ray Charles, or Brooke Benton? Hmm. Marvin Gaye? This was Brooke Benton. No. Yeah. Well, it was his, his first top ten, Brooke Benton. It He made it to number three, and Randy Travis covered it later. Wow. Who knew? Who would have thunk? All right. Okay, so another song that Glenn covered that was both a pop and country hit was It's Only Make-Believe. What country superstar had the original hit in 1958? Ray Price, Conway Twitty, Eddie Arnold, or Marty Robbins? Man, it's only make-believe. So, I think it's Ray Price. It's actually Conway Twitty. Conway. That was, I get those two confused, believe it or not. And here's an odd piece of trivia about that song. It reached number one on the pop charts. It didn't even make the country charts. (laughs) It's a country classic sung by country bands quite often, I assume in Branson even. Uh, Yep. Conway revisited. (laughs) It didn't. It didn't reach the country charts for Conway, but it reached number one on the pop charts. So that was the same suits that decided <laughs> Jethro Tull was going to beat Metallica. I guess so. <laughs> um, although Glenn's version um, reached country, uh, number three on the country charts and number 10 on the top 40 in 1970. So he actually brought it up the country charts. But uh, There you go. Carrying the flag right. for the country peeps. Well, here's, here's, a, here's a shifting into movies. In 1969, Glenn appeared in a movie with John Wayne. He also sang the title song. What was the movie? True Grit, The Alamo, or The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Mm. Dang it. 
Man, I think it's wrong. The Alamo? It was True Grit. It was? Yep. Glenn was actually in True True Grit. And uh, I don't even remember what that song sounds like. I should have gone. I guess me neither. I should have plowed through stuff. But um, so it was nominated for Best Song at the Academy Awards as well as the Golden Globes. He was a Texas Ranger named LaBeouf. (laughs) Wow. It was originally offered to Elvis Presley. But wow. Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom, or Colonel Tom, Colonel Tom, demanded top billing for his client over John Wayne. So Elvis would have Elvis would have been billed above John Wayne, and and that ain't gonna producer, Their producers went, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> the Duke stays number one. <laughs> pretty, and it ended up ended, ended up becoming a best actor when winning role for John Wayne. I think. It's probably his only best actor win. Okay. Here's another rhinestone cowboy question. According to the song, what happens to nice guys? They get... They... I can go ahead and finish. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I hear this song every day now. (laughs) (laughs) They get washed away like the snow and the rain. Yep. Man, where hustle's the name of the game. The nice guys get washed away like the snow and the rain. You know your job, man. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the Blackwoods that. <laughs> so one of Glenn's early hits was Dreams of the Everyday Housewife, which I don't think I have a frame of reference for. But uh, according to the song, what does she stare at when she looks in the mirror? Her aging face, her hair turning gray, her bloodshot eyes, or the wrinkles that weren't there yesterday. We'll go with that one. That's correct. Good guess. Yeah, that job. That sounds something like Glenn would sing. All right. So in 1969, Glenn recorded an album of duets with a popular female singer of the day. They had two hit singles, Let It Be Me and All I Have to Do is Dream. Who was this beautiful duet partner was it Anne Murray Crystal Gale Barbara Mandrell or Bobby Gentry Crystal Gale it was Bobby Gentry dang it (laughs) yep yep and in 1971 they did a oh in 1971 Glenn did team up with Anne Murray and they did a uh, a mashup of "By the Time I Get to Phoenix" and "I Say a Little Prayer." I they, think I remember that. Not they did that thing. But, uh, footage of that. Yes. I'm going to end you with a very simple question. Okay. <laughs> Who shot Jr. <laughs> okay. In Wichita lineman, who is he a lineman for? He's a lineman for the county. <laughs> See, I told you I didn't. Yeah. Uh, ended on something easy. On Route 152 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's out in the middle of nowhere. Who knows? Yeah, he's in the sticks. <laughs> All right, folks. You know, we don't make this stuff up. We look it up. We have the access to the same internet you have access to. We just talk about it a lot. We do. And, and we don't, we purposely don't access the internet during the show, so... Correct. We, I, have to hand we, my, I have to hand my phone to Rusty, the door guard here, before I enter the studio. We actually work without a wire. Uh, I mean, we work we on the wire without a net. Actually, we work right. without a wire. I, I might. <laughs> yeah. We work without a net. What happened to who fired a net? Oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. We, we work without a wire, but I still whine. Thank you, everybody. Yep. So we, uh, you know, we search YouTube song, you know, uh, song facts. Wikipedia. We just we just Google stuff. Also, we do this because we love it and we know a lot of stuff about songs and encounter them a lot. So yeah. nothing better about talking about music, and we just thought we'd share what we talk about. And you can always go to songsyoushouldknow.com. 
and email jimbo at songsyoushouldknow.com or mixter, M-I-C-K-S-T-E-R at songsyoushouldknow.com or just go to the website and there's a place to send us something from there. So, hey, until next time. Be good, kids. (laughs) 